please listen carefully. Hey, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Jessica Toon. And I'm Laura Farley. Remember, Caveat Realtor is meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal advice or legal representation. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Virginia Housing Development Authority. Hi, Jessica. Hey, Laura. How are you? Great. How are you feeling? You've now been here six months-ish? Yeah, it's been about six months since I joined the Be- legal team. Best six months, uh, first six months at a job ever, right? Uh, right, Laura. <laughs> five out of five. Excellent. Gold star. Yeah, that's what I want to hear is A plus. Boss. Yelp review. <laughs> Yelp re- review excellent. You didn't get the best boss ever mug I sent to you, Laura? Not yet. It oh. Must, it must be in the mail. Oh, maybe it's lost in the mail. We'll see. Yeah, so seriously, happy half anniversary to me, right? We're excited you've been with us. It's been a great six months. Excellent. Wonderful. I'm glad. Glad to hear that. So uh, we're going to take a look today at some of the basic building blocks around the legal side of this particular profession, things we get a lot of questions on, things I kind of had to install in my brain when I was developing my realtor foundation of knowledge, if you will. So we're going to go over a few of what we would call basic topics today. We're going to talk about agency, advertising, contracts, fair housing, and RESPA. We will highlight the areas that generate the most questions to the legal hotline and then point you to our other podcasts and other resources that have more extensive detail if you want a deeper dive on any of these particular topics. So let's talk about agency first, Laura. Yeah, let's do it. The most exciting of topics. Hey, it is. (laughs) I'm kidding, but let's go ahead and get it out of the way first. I think it's exciting. Oh, well, that might be a difference between us. Yeah. (laughs) Agency in a general legal sense is acting on behalf of another person. So I came to this job with a litigation background, uh, some litigation background in employer and employee agency situations, usually like a rogue employee doing something bad in a lawsuit, trying to pin the blame on the employer because... The employer is the one with the money. Deeper pockets. Yes, but real estate agency has its own fun quirks as well. One area that we get lots of questions on is dual and designated agency. So if you decide to be a dual agent in a transaction, and that means you're representing both the buyer and the seller, you need to have signed agreements from all parties that this has been disclosed and that they agree. You cannot provide any sort of advantage to either party and cannot provide most substantive advice that you would normally do as part of your job. And so all parties need to be aware of this and agree. There can be benefits in the right situation, but also many limitations and risks. Designated agency, where one firm represents both parties, but each party has different agents, is more advisable because each agent can still fulfill their advisory duties to their clients. And Laura, this actually happened to me when my husband and I bought our first house. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we had seen several houses, including one with a monstrously all pink bathroom. Now, what shade of pink are we talking? Like Pepto-Bismol pink. Yes, everything. That is a choice. Toilet, bathtub, tile. They were committed. It was was a sight. It was something. But uh, so we'd seen a couple houses when our realtor showed us a house where he was the listing agent. We liked the house and then we decided to put an offer on it. And when we did, we discussed with our realtor that should he represent both parties, he would not be able to truly represent our interests. And in fact, if I recall correctly, the firm he worked for didn't allow dual agency. So the firm recommended another agent there to act as our designated agent. We met him and agreed to use him as our agent in the transaction, and a principal or supervising broker at their firm acted as the dual agent. So it happens, and it can work out well for everyone, because everyone has someone working out on their interests and a dual agent acting as a neutral party in the event of any issues. But it's best to be clear and transparent about what is going on. For a more extensive look at dual and designated agency, check out our podcast on this topic. 
The episode is titled Dual versus Designated Agency, and it was released on January 30th, 2018. So the other thing that I found interesting is the agency disclosure obligations, particularly disclosing the brokerage relationship to unrepresented parties. Now, as I just said, I have a realtor that I've worked with to buy and sell a house, but I've also gone, I think as many, many people have, to the occasional open house on my own, both when I was looking for a property to buy and when I was just, you know, window shopping. And checking out what your neighbors had done with their houses. Uh, maybe, Laura. Don't, don't I mean, I think tell I, my secrets. I think, hey, I've done it. I think everybody <laughs> does it. They kind of want to get some ideas, and they also want to see if those people really are as strange as they seem. True, true. That's true. Uh, and the agent at the open houses that I've been to sometimes asked me if I was represented by an agent or had me review and sign a sign-in sheet of some sort. And I definitely always thought they were just trying to get me as their own client. I never knew that there was a legal obligation to disclose their agency status to an unrepresented party. So sorry to any agent out there that I showed my annoyed voice to in that circumstance. Well, they might have been trying to get you as a client. Maybe, but... But they were also complying with their legal obligations. And they probably didn't deserve my annoyed voice. Well, maybe, maybe not. (laughs) So for a deep dive on issues involving unrepresented buyers, listen to our podcast episode entitled Unrepresented Buyers. Very original. Yes. (laughs) Which we released on August 28th, 2018. And I will acknowledge that might have been mine because I'm not the most original. Kate is really pretty good with her titles. Episode titles, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Jessica, why don't we talk about advertising next? Right. So, like many people of a certain age, and I'm not going to disclose that age, uh, I have a few social media accounts, and I have several friends who have sold or currently sell real estate. So, I see these friends on Facebook and Instagram, and even sometimes Twitter, sharing listings or talking about their business. The line between personal and business has blurred a little bit in terms of social media, because after all... Your business relies on getting and keeping clients, and many times it relies on having the most people looking at your listings. So the more shared stuff out there, the better, right? Yeah, I mean, free advertising in a sense. And that's the key, at least when it comes to the law. If the information posted is meant to get business, then even if what you have on your social media is on your personal page, you have to follow all of the disclosure requirements for electronic advertising on a non-realtor-owned website. So if you're an individual licensee, the post must contain your license name, your affiliated firm's license name, and the city and state of your office, and then whatever states you are licensed in, or a link to a website that has all of that information. And another tidbit that I have filed in my brain for long-term use is that there's no mandatory font size for print advertisements. The requirement is only that the information be clearly and legibly displayed. Most often, any applicable requirements come from the brokerage firm you're working with, And we have several resources available with more information on advertising. A podcast episode titled Social Media Pitfalls for Real Estate Licensees released way back on July 24th, 2017. That's a throwback. Yeah, throwback, throwback Tuesday. Throwback. And an episode titled Advertising and the Regs, which was released on June 5th, 2018. We also have two videos about social media and internet advertising, which you can find on the videos section of our website under legal. So moving right along to contracts. A broad topic that encompasses a lot of things, like the lifeblood of business law, pretty much. How are contracts in real estate the same or different than what you're used to, Jessica? Sure. I I worked in product liability litigation for the last few years, where the most common contract we were dealing with was a product warranty, basically a contract between the consumer and the product seller. So contracts between parties for buying and selling properties are different in a few ways. One of the most interesting to me has been the timing clause in the Virginia Realtors Purchase Contract. This is your on or about language with regards to closing. 
And I've noticed we get questions most often when a closing has not happened by the date listed in the contract, but that date is qualified with the honor about provision. And the question usually is, how long is about? Exactly. It's generally been interpreted as long as the parties are diligently working towards settlement, though there's no absolute standard as to the number of days that may be. It allows for different circumstances to be taken into account. And we found that most this most often works to the benefit of the clients of our members. And it can take some of the stress out of a transaction with regards to getting all of the ducks in a row for settlement. For more information about this and other frequently asked contract questions, visit the FAQs on our website or listen to podcast episode titled Contract FAQs, which was released on July 10th, 2018. So Jessica, before we go any further, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about VHDA? VHDA works with realtors all over Virginia to offer down payment grants and loans for first-time homebuyers. Find the right solution for your client and locate a VHDA-approved lender near you. Just visit vhda.com. Thanks, Jessica. While much of the legal Bible for us is in the Virginia Code and the regs, there are two areas dictated by federal law where we find ourselves in the U.S. Code, and that's fair housing and RESPA. The Federal Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination against people in the following protected classes, race, color, religion, sex, familial status, national origin, and disability. Virginia also includes elderliness as a protected class, and the Code of Ethics includes sexual orientation and gender identity. So realtors in Virginia are already required to not discriminate or not participate in discrimination against these 10 classes. I think I had a general concept of this before starting work here, but something I definitely didn't know before coming here is that disability can include recovering drug addicts or alcoholics. And discrimination may be less obvious than you think. For a look at how advertisements on Facebook were alleged to have violated fair housing laws, check out our podcast titled HUD and Facebook, released on September 11th, 2018. We have several other podcasts about fair housing and a video specifically about familial status. And of course, we have lots of FAQs. Okay, so Laura. Yeah? Don't let this affect my review okay. this year, but I'll be honest. RESPA, the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, is not a thing that I was at all familiar with before coming here. That's okay. I don't think many people are familiar with it to yeah. begin with. Yeah, so it's definitely new for me. And RESPA covers a lot of things, but one of its primary purposes is to eliminate kickbacks and referral fees. Referral fees may only be paid to real estate licensees or current tenants who refer other tenants, per RESPA and the accompanying Virginia law. Side note, Laura, do you know what's fun? No, and I'm really scared right now. What's fun, Jessica? Don't be scared, Laura. It's just raffle tickets. Oh, those are fun. Yeah, man. I, you know, I love a good raffle ticket. I never win, but I do love them. Give me a carnival, a cake raffle, a Walmart Black Friday giveaway. Ooh, that's dangerous. Yeah, I'm an optimistic sucker. But guess what you can't do under RESPA in most instances? Is it raffle tickets? It is. It's raffle tickets. I won. Yay. Um, We get a lot of questions about whether agents can do a raffle where anyone who refers a potential client can be entered into a drawing to win something. So a gift card or a vacation. That would be, I mean, the best one, obviously. Something like that. Well, I don't know. Some gift cards could be pretty, pretty amazing themselves. I guess that's true. And unfortunately, this is a very risky practice. The raffle ticket even if you're a never-the-winner raffle like per- me. person, that would likely be considered an item of value, and this would violate RESPA when exchanging the raffle ticket for referrals. And another question we get is whether you can advertise giving a portion of your commission to a potential client, and if that's a violation of RESPA. And we have good news here, and that is that that's not a violation. You can rebate to a client so long as the lender approves, and it's not tied to a referral. However, some lenders do not approve this, 
So be aware and make sure that you include a disclaimer in your rebate advertisement. I mean, we're lawyers. We love disclaimers. Love a disclaimer. And you want to put something in there like, it's subject to lender approval. For more information, we have a video specifically on rebates and referrals on our website and a podcast titled Kickbacks and Referrals. Again, probably my title, which was released on May 1st, 2018. So we hope you've enjoyed this mini refresher podcast and hope it'll serve as a helpful resource to point you in the right direction for even more information you might need on certain topics. Thanks for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us like Jessica rated me. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. Thanks. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice... Raffle tickets are fun! ...of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2019. This podcast features a song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And not via a raffle.